there. I'm Leanna Hinkle with the Hinkle Homestead. And I'm Lindsay Weiniger with the Weiniger Farms. And we are your hosts on We Chose the Farm. Hello. It's episode 14. And I'm not sure that you're ready for this, this new month of conversation. We are talking about emus. I'm so excited. I've been waiting so long for this. So last month, it was easy for me. It was all cows all the time. Super simple to talk about. And now the roles are switched, and this is going to be right in Leanna's wheelhouse, and I'm going to be kicking or shooting out into left field. That was like three sports all into one analogy. Um, Worth noting that... We are not in the same room, and you might be able to tell that by our audio, but I, uh, COVID sucks, hashtag COVID sucks, I was around somebody this weekend, and so we're just playing it safe. We're in two separate places, but that's the joys of technology, right? Yep. Stay positive, test negative. (laughs) I have not heard that before. (laughs) It's okay, though, isn't it? (laughs) It's perfect. Okay. Oh, emus are my most favorite thing that I like to geek out about. Um, they are new to our homestead as of um, last winter. So the fun thing about emus, there, there's so much that we're going to get into. <laughs> um, so emus are the second largest bird in the on the planet. The first is ostrich. And they are of the same rat-type family, along with cassowaries and rays. The cassowaries are, like, those ones that I think, like, Florida man got his, like, heart gouged out by. Cassowaries are really mean. Emus are not that mean. And I think ostriches are kind of sketchy. They are huge. And I say huge for me because we have, you know, chickens and pigs and stuff like that. Yeah. But... Eight full grown will be um, right around five and a half to six feet tall, and they can stretch their necks over six feet, and they can actually jump over six feet tall too. So when we started talking about emus, definitely planning for a large enclosure. Now we're super lucky that the Peoria Zoo has two emus there in their little like walk australia exhibit so i got to creep a lot to see what their enclosure looks like firsthand so that was um kind of helpful for that for sure yeah we Um, deliver our feed store delivers them emu feed stop it we do uh i recently learned that they have two females and i was always curious if they had like a pair or if they laid eggs and stuff like that and normally uh, the females don't lay eggs if a male is not present. So it's totally opposite that chickens would be. Normally, you know, yeah. chickens like lay eggs no matter what, uh, rooster or not, but usually emus don't lay eggs uh, unless there's a male present, only because the males are actually the ones that incubate the eggs. Huh. So, yeah, so the female, obviously, she chooses her male, and then... You know, they do the thing, and he sits on the clutch of eggs for about two months, which no. is nuts. No, clutch, like, 
we talked about clutches before, but like how many would a female lay at a time? Um, it's a group or gathering for sure. And obviously it's the same thing, kind of like uh, pea fowl, but the more you take away, the more they keep laying. So I would say a good clutch can be anywhere between like eight and 15. Wow. Yeah. So what he does though, is he'll sit on these and he'll hatch them out. And then he will actually kind of like adopt other males emu babies and they'll just like kind of run this emu mob together and like co-parent and like (laughs) it's pretty cool so like it's just like a bunch of like dads hanging out with the kids (laughs) (laughs) they made a movie about that once right (laughs) but i mean like they are just such fascinating creatures that like you can't look at them and not think like you're a dinosaur a hundred percent absolutely i think that's why we were so initially like just drawn to them even like visiting your house though it's just like you go up and you're standing next to the enclosure and you're like holy mother of pearl like they're just they're just you gawk when you look at them i mean they're crazy oh well and i don't think a lot of people really ever get to get that close to them and ours are pretty friendly sure um you know they're not going to snuggle with you on the couch or anything but they're definitely (laughs) curious to see what's going on but there's been a lot of like learning curves with this because it's just a whole different ball game than chickens and it's definitely a a different step in the direction of you know of just crazy town but um what's cool about emus on this time of year is that this is actually the season like the breeding season of when they start laying eggs so ours are still too young this is in their first year so they'll typically start laying eggs and doing you know, getting ready for mating season in your second year. But now is the time where you want to start scoping out your eggs and you'll start to see chicks happening um, probably around, um, depending on where they're coming from, you'll see them anywhere from December to probably March or April, chicks-wise. But usually breeding season, egg season, is November to, like, February or March. What climate do they originate from though Ooh, fantastic question so they are normally from australia okay so technically dry warm yeah technically dry warm um they are fine in the winter temperatures okay uh, you know because they have been acclimated this sure. you know to the states and stuff okay we also have heard slash we've made jokes about this uh the dinosaur comment about how emus are like cousins to dinosaurs for sure so explain that one well i mean if you look at an emu it's got two ginormous tall legs with three huge raptor claws and then they have you know these itty bitty tiny little nubs of wings i mean like they're not more than like four inches long they're seriously tiny they have a huge long neck you know what i mean and then they just look very bird-like on top and you can't help but look at it and see like this is a descendant of raptors and you know now (laughs) they were like or wasn't it dinosaurs they were saying originally like oh they're lizards blah blah blah. but now they're like no all these dinosaurs have feathers i'm just straight up i'm calling it these are descendants from velociraptors i'm making the claim (laughs) now and what about you yours how many girls and how many boys do you have 
So I have one confirmed girl. So that was that was kind of the interesting story about us. This past year, um, I decided to scout it out and get emu eggs to hatch out. And so I got four from a person down in Florida, and I got four eggs from a person in Texas. And I um, did the things and everything else, and all of the ones from Texas did not develop at all so that was like a huge gamble and a really tough waiting game for 60 days but the ones from florida hatched out two chicks and i sent in the membrane to the shell yeah in for dna testing so um because i was like heck no i'm not gonna like clip a toenail (laughs) like (laughs) no way you know so we sent those in for testing and they came back as both the boy and a girl And so we were really pumped about that. And the second night that we put them out in their huge enclosure, they were over three months old. Um, Our boy actually got ripped out of the fence by a predator. It was so devastating. Like, you know, it was was so tough. Um, But Oliver, like, cried for, like, three days straight over it. So we actually ended up finding some who was rehoming their emus that were the exact same age as ours so we took them in and everything was great and they accepted our one lonely girl like it was their own she Mm -hmm. recovered from the attack as well so now we have four i have not sent in dna testing for the rest of them but just based by personality i would assume that we have out of the three that we got one girl and two boys so you want to think two and two. Yeah. You know, so we have the four and that's really cool. And I think there's a couple different ways to DNA test them. You can send in the eggshells like we did, or you can do um, feather testing where you would pull out a feather and send that in for testing because it's got some DNA towards the bottom of it. Sure. Um, or you can send in a blood sample, which would be like cutting a toenail too short or something like that it's not like you know really drawing blood with needles or anything um we did a blood draw with our peafowl before Mm -hmm. so that wasn't a hard thing to do yeah um but i don't know i think we're gonna wait a little bit to see if they can like start doing once they reach like sexual maturity they'll start doing like a drumming noise and that's, I guess, is like a very like, oh, it's easy because the boys sound like this and the girls sound like that. And you'll know it when you hear it. And it's very easy to distinguish. Yeah. Okay. So, but from right, right now, mine still whistle. So it's not really, it's like a little, it's when, you know, chickens peep. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like when they peep and then they get older, they like cluck. Mm-hmm. We're still in the whistling age for, they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great. Um, so why would, why would someone get emus? Why, why did you guys decide to get emus? (laughs) Because we're crazy. Only, that is the reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, I like a good challenge and, um, I heard peafowl were really hard to hatch out. So I showed up with some eggs and I hatched those out. And I was like, you know what, like, what's the coolest thing? Like, emus are pretty cool, and I bet they're really hard to hatch out. So 
heck yeah, I'm going to try it. So that's kind of what happened. And I really honestly didn't expect for it to become anything of it. But now that it did, now we got to, you know, we build the things, we do the stuff. So why would you want emus? Emus are pretty cool. They offer a lot of different things for them. So first of all, if you're wanting to get into the emu raising business, there you could be a, I guess, a distributor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but you could um, sell the eggs. You could sell the chicks just like kind of we do everything. Sure. Um, but also emus are red meat, which is kind of what makes them a little unique. So you can actually process them for meat consumption and um, you can get about, I don't know, 40 to 50 pounds of usable meat from these emus and um, it's a red meat. So you can still get the same cuts as like ribs and hams and steaks and ground meat and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but it has a lot better health benefits for you instead of because it's still technically a bird and i guess in a flavor test like hands down people say that they would rather choose like an emu steak over like a beef t-bone steak interesting yeah actually in the 90s i don't know if you were too young for this because i was i actually like had a bunch of people be like oh yeah i remember this but just upon research in the 90s emus were actually supposed to replace the beef industry really did you know that no yeah so it was it was what that's what the whole thing was is because they were such a healthier like lower this lower that all these like great things for you they were supposed to replace the beef industry but because they require the same amount of land took about the same amount of time to finish out from you know start to finish yeah but the amount off of an emu versus off of a cow was just so vastly different that they're like there's more money in cattle so it never really took off and the amount of money that it would cost to consume the emu meat would be so expensive that it just wasn't really a good replacement yeah i get that sure because you have to like so another to to get an emu up to weight though like it has to be like how how old does it need to be? Like, so you can size, process emus; they're about nine months old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then, another cool thing about emus is if you're going through the whole processing route as well, they have a layer of fat in between their skin and their muscle, and you can either send that in. Or, I don't know, do it yourself. But you can render that fat into an oil, and that's where you find a lot of um, cosmetic lines or even back pain relief as blue emu oil. Crazy. Like, it's, like, I'm not even, like, making this stuff up. Like, you can find it at Walmart. It's not just, like, hippie witch doctor stuff. But (laughs) (laughs) it, like, possesses anti-inflammatory properties. So a lot of people use it for, like, their skin creams to reduce like their wrinkles and their puffy eyes and you know it helps with their back pain and I found out about emu oil like I don't know three four years ago before we even thought about hatching out emus for like a back pain relief and I'm like what do you mean what do you mean this is actual emus you know That's what funny. is the sorcery <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know 
<laughs> so funny. Uh, so yeah, but then if you, like I said, I like to do full purpose everything. So if you're going to do that, then they've got about three to five pounds worth of feathers too. So you could probably like stuff some pillows or do something like that. I don't know. You could get creative. <laughs> and you don't need no down feather pillow. You need an emu feather pillow. Hey. Do you remember when feathers be a thing? Like when we would put them in our hair? Yes. Yeah, when you'd, yeah. like, thread them in. Yeah, I oh, yeah. I think that, like, like a long emu tassel, like, in your, would just Ooh. bring that trend back. We should start that. <laughs> yeah. Oy vey. So, it's, they are, they could be, you know, full purpose, and that's another reason why we have them, is because we kind of like to keep the whole full purpose going on at our homestead pets with a purpose there you go i guess so you were talking about it a little bit earlier but so you went and did research at the zoo about their enclosure and stuff like that but what and talk about feed too because i feel like feed might be a little different but what is what would one require at at their place in order to have emus on their homestead so if you have experience to chickens and raising chickens, they're so different. Normally you raise a chick in a brooder with like pine shavings, right? Mm-hmm. So, but these guys are extremely fragile because they're all legs. So they need a high amount of um, vitamins, especially B vitamins. Hmm. So you'll find that like rooster booster and different stuff like that. So we used a lot of rooster booster in their waters and sprinkled that on their feed. Um, we also did a combination of, um, chick starter food Mm -hmm. and we, a combination of rabbit pellets for alfalfa. Yeah. And we did fresh kale in their water because I guess they're dumb as a box of rocks. So you needed to like crinkle up the fresh kale on the top of their water. So they would go to eat the kale and also like dip their beaks. So when they dip their beaks, they don't just like dunk it. They kind of like scoop it almost like a, think of like a pelican. Oh, sure. Kind of. So they like scoop. So, um, back to the brooder, we ended up using like an extra large dog kennel with like a couple squares of like really gross old carpet yeah underneath it they need traction to strengthen up their legs otherwise they will like slip and they'll if they slip a leg it's no good it's no good huh they're super fragile so i think like raised in nature if you know if dad raised it they would have a lot of like room to roam and they would strengthen up their legs but you know here in central illinois it's just still so cold yeah in march you know Mm -hmm. i really let them just go but i mean they they're so big and they're so fast um but yeah we actually had what was it it was charlie charlie came out with the splayed legs which means that like both of if your feet normally face in front of you one of her legs was kind of pointing off to the side and if left uncorrected that could really develop the way of how she gets around and it could ultimately mean that she just doesn't make it like it'll it'll affect her like it's not good so we ended up using like the veterinarian 
tape stuff. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, and we, like, wrapped that around her legs to, like, bring them back in together, and she was fine. Crazy. She's good to go. Wow. Now, and you, uh, I love the names of your emus, but what are the names of your emus? Yeah, so, I mean, they are practically dinosaurs, so it wouldn't be right if they didn't have dinosaur names. So we named them after the Jurassic World dinosaurs. So we have Blue, Delta, Echo, and Charlie. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's so fun. Any, any like, big final thoughts? We're going to probably be doing a lot more of, like, Q&A and going in-depth on these guys um, for the next episode. But any other, like, basic info that we just can't live without? I'm trying to think of other questions, too, for the basic stuff. But Yeah, because next time I really want to chat about more in-depth on how to hatch these guys out. I want to tell a really funny story about these <laughs> and a little bit about their history. I can do it. Should we do it today? Should I do it today? It doesn't matter. Either way. Okay, I'm going to tell it today. Okay. Okay, so one of my most favorite stories that I was reading. So anytime that we get a new animal, we always look on Amazon for the books of that creature so we can learn as much as we can, right? And that's when I first heard about the Emu War. Have you heard about the Emu War? Emu War? War. Like an army war. Oh my, no. Yeah, a war. So it's the Emu War of 1932. And basically, I'll like paraphrase all of this. So basically down in Australia, Emu run wild. Kind of like how deer run wild here, right? Uh Uh-huh. So there was a big drought in 1932, and it forced all of the emus that were running around to come closer into the cities and into, you know, the populated areas, and they were destroying crops and stuff because they didn't have a lot of food sources out there. Well, all the farmers were getting really mad about it, and we have to do something about this. So they called the military, and they were like, it's time that we kill off all of these emus. There's too many of them. They're ruining our crops. This is not good. So they were pretty much like, yeah, you're right. Emus are awful. We should just kill them all off. So they like ended up deploying like 10,000 of these troops to like go and kill off all of these emus. And I guess they were out there for like a couple weeks or so. And they were like firing all these bullets. And they were saying that like, these emu are so swift and dodgy and they can like duck and weave and like we can't catch them and you know we're firing all of these things and like after two weeks and all of these hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition they like killed one emu (laughs) just one like single one (laughs) they were like they were able to sustain bullet wounds and keep running and they like pretty much nothing stopped these emus at all whatsoever so this went on for a month or so and i think they were they managed to like kill a hundred emu you know what i mean like so not really anything significant to like make a dent in anything and the, the army pretty much gave up and was like this this is not a thing that's working and they just stopped they were just done (laughs) and that was the so (laughs) 
that was just my really cool thing. I don't know if that's like bad for, you know, the army of Australia. That's like, you can't even catch a couple birds, but you know, or what, but I feel like that could be like the next Disney movie or something. Yeah. I think they even said like these emus are like, if you could, if you could make, I always think of like a captain America, like if you could make a soldier, like an emu to where he could dodge all these things, like this would be unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) It's an emu. Oh man. That's what, you know, that's, you should make one of the boys come up with like an emu superhero. Oh my gosh. It's (laughs) brilliant. They're really cool. They're really, really cool just to watch around. I post a ton of videos of them on uh, my Facebook page, too, just because they're so fun to watch. And they do these silly little dances. And every time you fill up the water for them, they, like, have to jump in it and they like to swim. But, you know, it's just, like, it's not really a swimming pool. It's just a water tank, you know. (laughs) But they try. They're going to sure try. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Really fun. Well, totally, next time for sure we're going to be jumping in, jumping in (laughs) to the water pool. We're going to be talking more um, about specifics, about um, questions that you guys might have or that we can find about emus as a whole and then going into their incubation and their eggness and all that jazz. But this is good. This is a good intro, man. This off the seat season so if you are thinking about adding emus to your homestead this is the season to start it's not in spring when everything else starts that's crazy they have like this whole off season so you have to get them now right now right now today (laughs) get them all (laughs) all right well give charlie a squeeze for me isn't charlie the only one that really lets people touch her (laughs) She's so nice. Yeah, Charlie's the best. (laughs) Cool. Well, sweet. If you like what you heard today, you can find us at We Chose the Farm on Facebook and Instagram. And to find Hinkle Homestead directly, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google at Hinkle Homestead. Want to visit the Weiniger Farms? You can find us mainly on Instagram at the Weiniger Farms or jump over to our website at winegerfarms.com. See you later.